0: Hey Mila falta. welcome to the Letter from Ireland Show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world.
1: Hello, I'm Mike Collins, and you're very welcome to this episode of the Letter from Ireland podcast. And the title of today's episode is Murder in the West of Ireland. And we've two letters to share with you and Krina will read them out in just a few moments. But I think they're actually very interesting cases because... Both are actually focused on particular murder cases in the 1800s in the west of Ireland, but from both there are actually much bigger social ramifications and we'll actually look at both of those as we go through the podcast today. So just to say you can find the show notes for today's episode on a com forward slash 708. That's a com seven zero eight. We also have three very, I think, appropriate pieces of music to share today as well. And the first one is from a band that I would have heard live back in the mid 1970s in Cork as a fairly young guy at the time. It's a band called The Wolf Tones and it's a song called The Great Hunger.
2: It was in the year 1840 and five, a great hunger. And it was the neglect of the rulers to be That no crops could the soil command Yet the farmer he tilled He toiled and he sowed And he planted with his strong hands A great hunger came o'er the land The moon it shone bright For the late autumn skies was the finest the harvest moon. Yet it was not a sight of joy to be seen, for then again too soon. Crop failure had turned the sweetness all sour in the hearts of all Ireland. A great hunger came o'er the land Now the men they grow weak And the women are pale And the children are dying now The cold winter months Will soon pass us by Without hope in the early spring And the people will cry with a hungry plea without hope of a helping hand. A great hunger came o'er the land. The birds, they are singing way out of tune as the cart pulls the donkey along. The crops say have failed us again in this year Oh, then tell me what caused this wrong Was it the curse of a witch that caused this bad deed Or the work of a devil's hand A great hunger came o'er the land Not a devil or a witch and a hand in this deed of this i assure you now but the cuckoo of men this crippling foe though it's little that you might have he's exploited the work of the laboring man and while his belly expands
1: And there we had the Wolf Tones with The Great Hunger, a very appropriate tune and song, in fact, for the subject of today's letters. So in a few moments, Corrine is going to uh, read and tell us all about uh, a very particular case that she's titled Murder in the Big House. But just to point out that this was a murder that actually happened because of mass evictions from a place in County Roscommon in the west of Ireland. And through those mass evictions, in fact, we had the coining or the infamous coining of the phrase coffin ships associated with uh, the time of the great hunger, the time of the famine and those terrible, terrible conditions that people had to face as they went off to an uncertain future, uh, somewhere, if you like, across the sea, travelling for kind of weeks on end uh, in just fairly despicable type circumstances. Anyway, uh, without further ado, I think we'll hand over to Karina now, and she's going to tell us all about murder in the big house.
0: A while ago, Mike and I were on an Irish road trip around the northwest counties of the island, and one of the most striking locations we visited was a place called... Strokestown Park House in County Roscommon. And that's the focus of our letter today. Have a think what would you do in this situation? The Strokestown estate sits on 11,000 acres across the rolling hillside of County Roscommon. Today, the beautiful house and stables, which houses the Irish Famine Museum, are open to the public. Strokestown House was built about 1735 on land granted to the Mahan family 100 years earlier. It is a grand house that must have hosted many major social occasions in that county. However, by the time of the Great Famine in 1845, following years of neglect and mismanagement by absentee landlords, the Strokeston estate was over £30,000 in debt. Strokeston estate had just been inherited by Major Dennis Mahan, who was an absentee landlord, and the day-to-day affairs of the estate were handled by his land agent. As the famine gained a grip on the surrounding countryside, the ability of the Strokestown tenants to pay any sort of rent quickly vanished. Major Dennis Mahan had to make some hard decisions with the help of his land agent, John Ross Mahan, no relation to the Major. They planned to clear the land of the worst tenants. That was those who looked as if they would never improve the land or be able to pay their rent. After some investigation, they calculated that it would cost about 11,000 in total each year to maintain these worst-case tenants in the local workhouse. A cheaper option was to fund a one-off emigration scheme and move them to new lands in Quebec in what is now Canada. In either case, the cleared land could then be divided among the remaining more productive tenants. Seems like a simple business problem, doesn't it really? what would you do if you were in Major Dennis Mahan's situation? Move the worst tenants to the nearby workhouse or move them to a new country? Well, in May 1847, 1,490 of the tenants of Strokestown Park started down the pathway beside the Royal Canal. Their destination was the Port of Dublin, about four days' walk away. From there... They're going, they would head off to Liverpool, wait for about a week, then board four ships for the voyage to Quebec. And they were accompanied by a bailiff to ensure that they all made their way to Liverpool. However, these people were already weakened from months of malnourishment even before they set off on their long walk. And can you imagine how vulnerable they were as they arrived in Liverpool, a city already host to many outbreaks of cholera and typhus. However, the families were loaded onto four ships in Liverpool, the Naomi, the John Munn, the Aarons Queen and the Virginius. And their first port of call was the quarantine island of grosse on the St. Lawrence River in Quebec. Now, it turned out that Major Mahan's agent aimed to save as much money as possible on this emigration scheme, reserving the cheapest boats and stocking them with the most meagre of rations and medical support for the passengers. These ships carrying the ex-tenants of Strokestown Park had the dubious honour of being named as the first coffin ships during the Great Famine. For example, the Virginius, which initially carried 496 passengers, arrived in grosse Eel having lost 158 passengers during the voyage or shortly afterwards. The number of deaths on the other ships followed similar proportions. Upon their arrival at the Quarantine Island, Dr George Douglas, a medical superintendent, described the Strogestown Park emigrants as ghastly yellow looking specters unshaven and hollow cheeked and without exception the worst looking passengers i have ever seen not more than six or eight were really healthy and able to exert themselves today many of these people are remembered on the memorial wall on the island of gros it includes surnames from strokestown park surnames such as bernie brennan Conboy, Connolly, Connor, Cunningham, Dolan, Donnellan, Duffy, Farrell, Feeney, Flanagan, Gillern, Hanley, Hayden, Healy, Higgins, Kenny, Lyons, Mannion, McDermott, MacDonald, McHugh, Mullooley, Murray, Owens, Reynolds. Rogers, Ryan, Sharkey, Whelan, and many more that are numerous in the area around Strokestone House even today. In November of 1847, Major Dennis Mahan was assassinated when travelling to Strokestone Park. It was the first landlord murder of the famine. And it is believed to have been in direct response to the news of the high mortality rate reaching the remaining tenants on his land. After Mahan died, his daughter Grace vowed never to return to Strokestown. However, the eviction of tenants continued for many years after the famine. Strokestown Park was improved over time and remained in the hands of the Mahan family until 1979. At that point, the house and gardens were sold to a local businessman who intended to develop it as a luxury hotel. However, when tidying up the house, the new owners came across many thousands of documents relating to the history of Strokeston Park and County Roscommon. Documents telling the stories of gentry, officials and tenants at the time of the famine. As a result, the house was kept in its original state and a National Famine Museum was established in the old stables. Despite the sad history of Strokestown, it is still a wonderful place to visit and the countryside is really lovely. The house stands as a beautiful reminder of how a privileged minority once lived. As you make your way around the Famine Museum in Strokestone, you will quickly become aware of the stories of so many of the individuals who lived on this land at such a terrible time for many of our shared ancestors.
3: By a lonely prison wall Young girl, calling, Michael, they have taken you away. For you stole Trevelyan's corn, so the young might see the morn. Our prison ship lies waiting in the bay. Oh, lie The fields of Athenry Where once we watched The small free birds fly Our love was on the wing We had dreams and songs to sing It's so lonely round the fields by a lonely prison wall I heard a young man calling Nothing matters, Mary, when you're free Against the famine and the crown Well, they caught me down Now you must raise our child with dignity Lo lie the fields of Athenry Where once we watched the small free birds fly Songs to sing, it's so lonely round the field of Athenra. Watched the last star fallen As the prison ship Sailed out against the sky For she lived in hope and prayed For her love in Bodney Bay It's so lonely round the feet. Ride. Low lie the fields of rye where once we watched the small free birds fly. Our love was on the wing. We had dreams and songs to sing. So lonely round the fields of Athenry.
1: There we had the fields of Athenry, the very rousing. And uh, the very poignant Fields of Athens Rice sung by Paddy Riley there. And I think down through the years since that's come out, it's become one of those anthems of the west of Ireland. And it's become one of those anthems that you actually hear if you ever attend a sports game where Ireland is playing, especially in rugby anywhere around the world. Now, um, that's also very appropriate, I think, for the the letter that Karina previously read relating to Strokestown House. But we're going to stick with the West of Ireland now for the next letter. And what we'll find, basically, is we're going to move to a place called Joyce Country, named after a very particular um, Anglo, Anglo-Norman that became a very Galicized, uh tribe, if you want to call it that, in an area that crossed over from the border of County Galway and County Mayo. And this particular case, actually, we're going to talk about the murder case, again, achieved a a lot of infamy after its actual time. And Queen is going to go into the details to such a point, in fact, where our president actually got involved quite recently there with regards a pardon for those particular people involved. And in fact, I was actually contacted only a couple of weeks ago by one of our readers whose ancestors were, sorry, whose, I should say, uh, relations were actually invited over to that pardoning because, in fact, they had a shared ancestor with regards to the Joyce people uh, being talked about as part of the particular letter. So without further ado, over to Karina, and we're going to look at uh, murder in the West of Ireland.
0: Have you ever been to the West of Ireland? As we visited Connemara and County Galway last week, we passed by a road sign that said Joyce Country Drive. In today's letter, we travel to Joyce Country on the border of Counties Galway and Mayo, an area where a terrible incident took place in the 1880s and recently made its way back into our national news headlines. One Family of the Wild West On December 16th, 1882, Miles Joyce stepped out of his prison cell and walked towards the gallows that was to take his life just minutes later. He was asked if he had any last thoughts before meeting his maker, but the frightened words coming from his mouth were understood by very few present. You see, Miles Joyce was the English name given to a man known as Maelra Shoiga, spelt M A O L R A, and S E O I G H E, Shoiga. So, Maelra Shoiga was the name this man was known to his family and friends, and they rarely spoke any language except their native Irish. Maelra and two of his neighbours were previously sentenced for the murder of a local family in the townland of Maim Trasna. They were tried and sentenced in English, a language that none of them could understand and with the minimum of translation. In this case, it turned out that Mailra was innocent. Maumtrasna townland is on the border of counties Mayo and Galway, adjacent to the region we call Connemara today, but within what is locally known as Dukasa Shoiga or Joyce Country. As you might expect, you find a lot of people with the surname Joyce in this area. The Origins of Joyce Country Legend has it that Thomas the Jorse, spelt J-O-R-S-E, came from Wales, where the majority of the Irish Norman families originated. And Thomas came to Galway City in 1283 AD. He married Nora O'Brien a descendant of the King of Munster and founded the Joyce tribe who occupy parts of Galway and Mayo to this day. Well, that's the legend. But we do know that a family by the name of Joy, spelt J-O-Y-E, came from the east of Galway City in the 1200s to what is now Joyce country. While the area was occupied by the Norman Fitzgerald family, they needed extra reinforcements to protect the newly captured lands from the ferocious O'Flarties and from the south. The Joys or Joyces, J-O-Y-E-S, or J-O-Y-C-E-S, as it was spelt, were chosen for the job and settled in for the long term. Over the time they became hibernicized, that is, they adopted many of the customs, language, and traditions of the local Gaelic residents. They became known in Irish as Clown Seuiga, spelt C-L-A-N-N-S-E-O-I-G-H-E, Clown Shoiga, and their lands became known as Dúchas Shoiga, known today in English as Joyce Country. By the early 1800s, the majority of Joyce's in the region were poor tenant farmers, indistinguishable from the Gaelic neighbours they lorded over 600 years earlier. If you look at the tenant occupants of Maum Trasna townland in the mid-1800s, you'll see plenty of Joyce families, alongside their Lydon, O'Brien, Coyne, Collinses, Duffys and Gibbons neighbours. Are any of those surnames in your Irish family tree? It was one of these Trasna Joyce families that was murdered in the 1880s. Five members of one family were killed in their sleep and robbed of their meagre personal possessions and livestock. This murder of a single family caused a sensation at the time and the authorities were under pressure to find and try the people responsible. So it came to be that Miles Joyce, Pat Casey, and Pat Joyce were hung on December 16th with four more imprisoned for assisting in the crime. It was felt that justice excuse me, it was felt that justice was both done and seen to be done. However, two years later, Tom Casey, a witness during the original trial, turned himself in and declared that while the other two were guilty. He had lied about the involvement of Miles Joyce. This confession triggered a lot of talk and debate in both Ireland and England, but an official inquiry was never initiated. However, times and sentiment were changing, and it is believed this case brought the British public's attention to the tremendous poverty and injustice in the far western part of what was then a part of Great Britain. The case of Miles Joyce, or Mailra Shoiga, probably accelerated the land reforms and associated laws that came into place from the late 1800s across the island of Ireland. A late pardon. In April 2018, the President of Ireland signed a belated pardon for Miles Joyce, or as he was known to family and friends, Mailra Shoiga. The President read the text in both Irish and English and I think it is worth looking at the words that the President used as he reflected on what he described as a shameful episode in Irish and British history. I've shortened the text in the following extract. We are here today to correct the historical record and to declare that a man, or Ráceóigá, was wrongly convicted of murder and was hanged for a crime that he did not commit. We must recall that English was not the language of those at the centre of this case. Both the murder victims and the defendants lived their lives through Irish and few had any command of the English language or certainty in its usage. When this heinous crime was committed, five members of a family butchered where they slept, the forces of an unsympathetic and arrogant colonial regime were unleashed in an already traumatised community. A combination of a systemic contempt for the Irish-speaking accused and an extraordinary zeal to secure convictions regardless of testimony and evidence that should have raised serious misgivings conspired to deliver what has been described as one of the clearest cases of miscarriage of justice in British legal history. Male Rashoiga's trial was unfair, Not only by today's standards, but by the standards of the time, many aspects of witness testimony were inaccurate or falsified, most obviously conducting a trial where the jury, judge, prosecuting and defending lawyers did not share the same language as the accused and where no meaningful translation is provided, must surely remove any pretense of justice having been sought or delivered." I must admit this recent pardon has just reminded me how hard life was for so many of our shared Irish ancestors. Some of them stayed, but many more left for what they hoped was a better life in a country far from their family, friends, customs and sometimes language. So if you ever go to the west of Ireland to visit relatives, marvel at the scenery or just to slow your life down for a little while. Do spend a moment thinking of the families who lived on the hills and crevices of that land and the harsh life they endured as they hoped for better days for their families. I do hope that you and I are enjoying that better life today. (laughs)
4: i <laughs>
3: Slumbering slaves A home so grand And long the brave And hearty race Honored and sentinel The place So not even sun's disgrace Could quite destroy the
4: glorious trace
1: beautiful rendition there of the West's Awake sung by Lumiere Um, and again the West's Awake I think is one of those songs that is hugely associated with the province of Connacht in the west of Ireland and really seen as being an anthem for that particular area although of course over the last few years it's seen a lot of competition from a song we played earlier the fields of Athenry but again I think it kind of sums up if you like that sense of um How Ireland, having gone through, especially the west of Ireland, which is just kind of decimated by famine and emigration, right down to the 1970s, basically, and beyond, uh, but how it actually has a spirit about it and looks to recover as time goes on. And I think in some ways as well, both of our stories today have a terrible, terrible beginning in both cases. But there's an element of redemption as well and things having kind of come full circle to the Ireland that we enjoy today. Um, and of course, the actual spread of the Irish diaspora around the planet and the effect of the Irish around the planet even today. So, you know, there's, there's kind of that aspect of the... Um, Oh, what I'd like to call, I suppose, that spirit, that spirit of Ireland, that spirit of the West of Ireland, captured in that song, The West's Awake. Uh, that's it, folks, for this week. I hope you enjoyed this particular episode of the Letter from Ireland podcast. And remember again, you can actually find the show notes at a letter Ireland.com forward slash seven oh eight. So for me, Mike Collins, until next week, Sloan for now.
0: If you've enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show,